0: Hey, what's up and welcome back to Surf Splendor. This is your host, David Scales. And this is actually our 157th episode of Surf Splendor. And never have I had such an overwhelming outpouring of support and praise as I have for this last episode that I published last week with Sal Masakela. I think that we really touched on something there and... um, I just wanted to say that it was really affirming and validating for me to get that kind of a response. After I recorded that episode with Sal, I actually sat in traffic for two hours to get home. Sal lives in Venice Beach, California. I live which is where we recorded the episode. And then I live in Huntington Beach. So and then of course you gotta deal with LA and Orange County traffic. For those of you who don't live in the area, I'm sure that our traffic here is infamous enough to where you're familiar with it. But, um, that whole drive, that two hours felt really, I don't know, I just felt very content and satisfied. This podcast kind of feels like a hamster wheel at times where, especially if I'm meeting my goal to publish weekly, as soon as I published an episode, I have to direct my focus onto preparation for the next episode. So there's almost no time to revel in completed work. It's just publish and move on. And, um especially when I have to layer on, you know, actual work obligations, family relationships, all that sort of stuff. There's no time just to enjoy the work that I do with Surf Splendor oftentimes. And so that two hours that I spent sitting in traffic was really kind of oddly satisfying where I felt good about my role and the preparation that I did prior to our conversation. And then I felt like Sal really brought his A game and then he warmly welcomed me into his home to record the episode so he delivered on his end of the workload and because of my comfort and his graciousness um, I was able to just kind of settle into a casual comfort and just riff with Sal rather than quote unquote host the conversation so I think it just kind of came together and um, again that two hour drive was a great wind down where I felt like I had something of value in the can and I was able to enjoy that before re-engaging with the hamster wheel. So then of course, all of your positive feedback pouring in after publication just validated those things. So I really do appreciate that. And my week was just punctuated with little Instagram notifications and emails with your feedback. I was at dinner with friends. I was at Trader Joe's and I'd just get a little ping on the phone and little... 10 second adrenaline dose when I get to read uh your comments. So thank you for that. If you haven't yet listened to Sal's episode, it's available for free on iTunes, on Stitcher, or any other podcasting app, or surfsplenderpodcast.com where all 156 past episodes are available for free. I had a few questions about the music in Sal's episode. So for the record, that opening song was Sal's father, Hugh Masekela's big hit, Grazing in the Grass. And then the closing song was All is Forgiven. And that's by Sal's band, Alakazam, which is just Masekela spelled backwards. We actually have a complete list of the music archive for every episode of this podcast. It's on surfsplendorpodcast.com. It's organized via Spotify, so you can um, find any song for any given episode of Surf Splendor. Or I've also created an ongoing playlist with every song ever used in Surf Splendor. In case you ever need background music for a dinner party or whatever, um, you can just find that playlist on Spotify by searching Surf Splendor or come to our website and we have it there. And then lastly, you can find us on social media at Surf Splendor. On to today's show. Scott and I recapped the spectacular event that was the 2017 Quicksilver Pro. I had to clip Scott's intro just a tiny bit on this episode because there was a little audio malfunction, but he was just setting up our conversation by referencing that we're both here to. Discuss the Quicksilver Pro, so that's what you'll hear me reference at the beginning of this. So, without any further ado, I'm David Scales, this is Surf Splendor, and here is my recap of the 2017 Quicksilver Pro with Scott Bass. Enjoy the show. Good morning, Scott. And we're proud to be broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente. Surfingheritage.org is their website. If anybody wants to check out the uh, giant collection of surfboards, artwork, photo archives, it's all on SurfingHeritage.org. So, Scott, welcome back. Yeah. Crazy event.
1: Yeah, a great so event. Science. I know. you. You're very excited. I mean, you've made it be known via instagram um text to me and basically throughout to anyone who would listen to you that you're
0: excited you're very excited more excited than i've ever seen you perhaps regarding an event here's the thing um we've waited a long time for this event to happen obviously we've had a lot of downtime and uh we talk surfing all the time surfing kind of is the main focus of most of our lives I would say certainly is this show and so to have this much lead up and this many storylines going into the event and then to have the the event actually deliver is so gratifying and I feel like it's also something that really hasn't happened Snapper the last few years has been a little bit of a letdown. I mean, almost since the year where Kelly and Parko had that final, where the waves were flawless, and Parko was oh, in the Kira. barrel. Yeah, Kira and Parko was in the barrel. Kelly dropped in on him with priority, and Parko flipped him off. Like that was the last year where I remember it being proper, you know, a proper um, Quicksilver Pro. So this delivered on a lot of different.
1: You know, ways. if I may suggest to you that one of the underlying reasons why it seems like it was such a great event. And by the way, it was the WSL deserves a big kudos and the pro surfers and the whole thing, uh, was, was really great. And one of the reasons I believe, um, is that it went back to back to back. There was no delay or break and there seemed to be a really great rhythm. And every day it seemed like you could, you know, for those three days you could count on it, you know, the event going on. And, um, I think that's one of the things that, that we don't necessarily automatically attribute to why it feels like it was a great event, but the fact that it ran consecutively is a big deal, I think.
0: I completely agree. And that's outside of the hands of everybody other than Mother Nature.
1: But it speaks to the surgical strike stuff that the totally. WSL is thinking about doing in 2018.
0: Narrower waiting period windows, yeah. fewer surfers. I totally agree with that. Um, and I feel, though, to give credit to the WSL, they did a lot less... Um, smoke and mirrors where a lot of events they wait they do this morning show and they don't even lead the morning show with the call they'll make you watch 10 minutes of morning show before they make the call this time they just like posted 30 minutes before the morning show even started they posted it's on Get ready. And they'd post a live stream. That live streaming thing that they're doing on Facebook now, they started the live stream before the event even started on every day. So you could watch 30... Like, when the sun came up, basically, you could watch and see the waves and go, oh, the waves are pumping. They're obviously running. And actually, the day before the event even, uh, like, in... You know, when they're running round one, they're going, tomorrow we're going to run round two. The waves are forecasted. Unless something goes haywire, we're going to run tomorrow. So there was a lot less anticipation or, um, like I said, just kind of like making you wait and guess. There's a lot more transparency, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I think there's something about that easterly windswell in Australia, too, that you just know that it's going to, like, it's easy to forecast that easterly windswell, you know. It's like, look, it's blowing like the Dickens down below us this this windswell is not leaving, you know, based on it was like this today and the wind's exactly the same
0: down there in the Southern Ocean or wherever it comes from. Yeah. Well, before we get into the event itself, um, I'd like to lead off with just some changes that the WSL has made in regard to the commentary team and the way that they're running the show this year. Some of them are positive. Some of them are negative. Um, Firstly, they eliminated the morning show. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but the first day they actually had one, but they said, we'll be back tomorrow to make the call, but we're not going to be doing a morning show anymore. So whether in, in last year's, in previous years, whether or not the event ran, they had a 30 minute show talking about the storylines, interviewing a world title uh, contender or something like that. Kind of a, a lot of pre-production uh, pre-produced packages, things like that. This year, they're not doing any of that. They huh. either run the event or they don't.
1: I got to admit, I've never tuned into the morning show. You know, I wanted to know if they were running the event or not, but um, it's true. Actually, I never did either. I wonder if that's part of the. I wonder if we're a, a good, you know, um, test sample. I wonder if if they just didn't get the kind of viewership that they were hoping to get, mm-hmm. and there was just no way to. And I'm sure that the staff was taxed by it. You know, they totally. put in a long day anyway. And then to have to put do this prepare for a morning show where they're kind of reiterating the same stuff anyway over and over. Yeah, they were. That it's like, look, let's spend our time focusing on a quality day of, of contest broadcasting rather than this pre-packaged 30-minute post and pre-event that isn't
0: really getting watched. I think that's exactly what happened is there was a lot of... Resources tied up in producing those morning shows where at certain events, we'd have 11 down days in a row. And on day 11 or day 10, what can you say that's interesting that you didn't already say on day one? You know, like, yeah, hey, these are the guys who have a shot at this. These are the guys who don't like. Who cares? So I agree with you. I think that that was actually a smart move on their part, and I think that you're also right in that they can track the viewership, and it's like there's probably a lot of viewers up until they make the call, and when Karen Perot says, we're off for today, you and I and everybody else shuts off the computer, and they notice that huge drop-off, and there's no point in pouring those resources into that. Exactly. One other thing that they eliminated was the desk, and so now the commentators – the guys that they throw to, not the guys who are actually doing the analyzing, the play-by-play, but the commentators that they throw to are no longer at the desk. They're sitting in a much more casual environment with a sofa. and Which looked like the Vulcan Pipe Pro Yeah. Set, sort of. I right? agree. I agree. And more I, casual. I, well, I honestly, I think that the WSL has taken feedback from you and I and the internet and everybody else where it's like we want opinions and we don't want a stodgy... We don't want something that looks too professional. It's still a surf contest, so let's keep it kind of informal. And so I think um they've embraced that a little bit or they're trying it anyways. And I heard on day 1, I think maybe Ronnie Blakey even said this year, more opinions, a more casual setting. And so they've embraced the idea of having an opinion as well. Good. We're not going to we're not going to um protect ourselves and try to defend the judges for some of the calls that are being made we're going to call it out you know good. and I think so that was on day one everyone I else that.
1: is they might as well exactly. join in
0: I heard them say that on day one but I think that they lived by that throughout the event so I thought that that was really good to see
1: um, speaking of the WSL's broadcast and by the way uh, again a shout out I know David feels the way I do that um, what a great event mm-hmm. you know they, they did a great job and Um, regarding the commentary or the broadcast team, um, I thought they were excellent. You know, I don't think they, there was any, you know, I think, I think the one sort of weak link, um, might be the color guy in the water strider, but he's gotten better. He totally has. You know, he's, and, and, you know, there's certain times when he just, it feels like he's, he's forcing it, you know, and he's saying stuff that he's not even sure what he's saying, but. He's gotten way better. And I will say that they miss Ross Williams. Yeah. You know. But um and then Kaipo, right, who's not new to this but seems to be a stable part of the broadcast team moving through the year now, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of the replacement for Ross Williams.
1: He did pretty good. Yeah. On the his on the beach stuff, you know, and he yeah. he was pretty fired up. I mean, there was moments when you could tell he was caught up in the moment, which I think is kind of neat, you know? And, um, and I thought he did a good job of kind of, I don't want to say he asked tough questions, but he didn't, he didn't come in soft.
0: No, not at all.
1: You know, there was times when he would, he would point blank, look at Kelly and go, Hey, is... Is this the Kelly Slater we're going to see all year long? And questions like that that kind of caught Kelly like, well, you know, and, you know, Kelly's really good at giving it back.
0: Yeah, he is. And, you know, and they're friends, too, so well, that makes it easy. Well, for sure, which,
1: you know, is, can be – yeah, it does. It makes – it. you know, it can help. Yeah. It can also hurt. Totally. But not when, when Kaipo's willing to ask – I don't want to say, again, not tough questions, but not, you know, tell us how the heat went.
0: You but know? I, I think the question that you might be referring to is he said to Kelly – it seems like you're more engaged when the waves are good. Exactly. Which which is really just saying where's your focus been up until exactly. now? Exactly. You know. And and it was pretty fascinating how quickly quickly Kelly shot back at him, you yeah. know. Aren't we all? Right.
1: And and Kai, kind of, you know, Yeah. <laughs> which is I think you know, when you read between the lines, that's kind of Kelly saying, "Yeah, you're probably right." Yeah. But let me be super smart and quick and intelligent and kind of just throw this right back at Get you. Get
0: you on your heels. Right. As, yeah.
1: Which is a defensive maneuver instead yeah. of saying
0: and answering the question. You totally. Know. Well, let me correct myself. Kaipo is not the replacement for Ross. No. Uh, Kaipo, Pete Mel is the replacement for Ross. Pete Mel got moved out of the water and off of the post-heat interviews and into the booth with Ronnie Blakey now as a partner. And Kaipo is replacing Pete Mel's position. That's the way that that worked. So, and I agree with you though. I've missed. I've always wanted Kaipo to be a part of this main WCT level team because he's he's been a fill in at certain events and he's been a part of the Triple Crown in the past. And a lot of his benefit in the Triple Crown environment is that he knows a ton about hawaiian culture so he can always reference what's happening um you know proper pronunciation of language and things like that and like cultural relevance of those surf spots to the event but he's he has a lot more to offer than just that and i think he is very professional he's definitely core you know like he knows what's going on as much as anybody in the world in the surf world so i'm a huge fan of kaipo and i'm glad to see him be able to exercise some of those things outside of hawaii
1: well, I agree, and I look forward to Kaipo being a part of the four, uh, broadcast here moving forward. I think he does a good job, and I think he's only going to get better. I, I sense totally that agree. I sense that he's gotten better, is why you I see. say that. And um, he
0: just needed a chance to spread his wings.
1: Yeah, know? and you feel, and you get the sense that he's excited about it, and he understands the opportunity in front of him, mm-hmm. and and I think that that that's going to be a good thing for all of us.
0: One other big change that they made is doing a lot of cutaways to Richie Porta, like. In the moment, and this is actually something that we've suggested that they do uh, for a couple of years now, but in the moment when there is a controversial decision being made, they have him come in in real time. And Joe Turpel and Martin Potter or whoever will turn to Porta and just be like, all right, we've got the head judge available. Explain why you did or didn't call that as an interference. And I and to be honest I don't think Richie Porta really does a great job of um breaking it down but you know nevertheless he yeah. is there.
1: Yeah. Well speaking of judges you know the the WSL has on their website um these following elements and I'm going to read them to you you sure. know them well I'll read them to you and I'm interested to hear what in what order you think that they they um they took which one of these they used as like perhaps the most important as they broke down each and every various ride. Um, Commitment and degree of difficulty is one of them. Innovative and progressive maneuvers is another. Combination of major maneuvers is the third. Variety of maneuvers is the fourth. And speed, power, and flow is the fifth. So of those five, which do you think in this event sort of was the one that the judges used as a foundational piece and and then applied the others. Or maybe that wasn't the case. I don't know. Give me your insight on the
0: judging and, and those five factors. I will. I'm a little critical about what they will say they were doing versus what actually happened. Right. So what's number three on there?
1: Combination of major maneuvers. I think
0: that's what they rated the highest.
1: A combination. Not a variety. This is a different think, one. There's a different one. I agree. One. Okay. I, agree. I think that they would
0: like to say that they're giving higher scores to variety. My argument is backside snaps and a lot of them got scored higher than anything else. And, you know,
1: our friends at uh, surfstats.com. Yeah. Um, Dave, men- if he's a listener. Mentioned us and, and he brought up, he brings up a good point. And by the way, I love his website. Yeah. Um, he brings up a good point, which is, it seems it seems to Dave and I agree with him that the variety of maneuvers isn't really adhered to it's not something that the judges are going oh yeah what about variety of maneuvers? Those backside snaps all were pretty much the same. And Dave at SurfStats brings up a good point. He goes, yeah, "Look, I understand that there is certainly nuance and of different course. different levels of that backside snap, but really, it's a backside snap, right. and it's and you know, the, yeah, there is you know five different nuances of it, but it's not like the surfer did a backside snap and then." to adhere to a variety of maneuvers, then did a backside aerial, then did a backside roundhouse cutback. Then a
0: 360.
1: Right. you know, so Because what we did see, and by the way, I don't mind it. It's pretty insane, especially Wilco and Owen Wright.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know the, how smooth and buttery, the combination of the same backside vertical well, So that's why I vertical argue attack. number three,
0: a combination of major maneuvers is what they're actually scoring. Right. Not a variety. No, not a variety. Not speed, power, and flow necessarily.
1: And a lot of times waves just dictate that. I mean, you know, like the wave says, keep pounding that radical fins out backside off the lip.
0: Yes, except you will see the occasional guy find variety in that. And well, you know who does that better than anyone? I would argue Slater. Exactly. Yeah. Slater's the guy, and that's why he's the best, if I
1: might throw in my opinion. Sure. Because he seems like the guy that can go, okay, here I will do this. Yeah. Here to adhere to the judging criteria... I'm going to throw in a 360 and I'm going to then bust out my fins on a little top turn. Then I'm going to do a rail wrapping roundhouse. Now it's time for an in the pocket straight up. You know, so point is, right? He seems to be able to apply the variety of maneuvers better than anybody.
0: And I think that he actually is doing that because he knows that a, that's a part of the criteria. I agree totally. I don't agree. think he's doing it because that's how he would surf snapper on his day off. I think he's going look. This is what the judges want. This is what the backhander's aren't doing. Exactly. And I'm going to go make a point of difference. But unfortunately, is it, work? it got worked against. It it's got not used working. against him. Yeah. So, and we can analyze that he with Gabriel Medina in a little bit. But yeah. but I would argue agree with you with the Slater thing, especially in the later rounds when he got on the Gamma, the different board. He was doing different things that I actually wasn't seeing anybody else doing and you want to talk about nuance of difference it was very subtle but there was a nuance to what he was doing in the middle of turns or at the end of turns or just in a bottom turn that was like just different and actually better yeah, and more difficult and more critical and more 10% more push that I was like oh crap Slater like that wave was like a a 5 and he turned it into an 8 For example, uh, his roundhouse cutback. He seems to be able to at any
1: point in time, but what he does great is at the very end of the turn, when he's going back up into the whitewash, he seems to be able to release his fins there, but keep his speed, Mm -hmm.
0: re-engage the fins, and make you know go with power speed and flow out of that part of the turn yeah, into the whitewash and then flow into a bottom turn again speed power and flow flowing through the maneuvers in ways that other guys aren't which is which is really
1: as you and I have discussed many times that's code for style speed power and flow is their way of saying look style's important to us but we can't use that word it's too subjective we'll call it speed power and flow And I feel like there's a few guys on tour that are heads and tails above the rest. There's almost like a top five that have the speed, power, and flow. And we know who they are, right? Kelly, Julian, Mick Fanning. John um, John. John John. I guess Parco. You're going to throw him. Jordy. and then there's others that just do not connect the maneuvers that don't have the great style. That yeah. there's a a hitch
0: in their giddy-up Adriano, for example, and well, others. So this is kind of a side note. But for me, Connor Coffin was always one of those guys that had a lot of flow. And this on this event, he was doing these like three check bottom turns like hop, hop, hop. And then what drove me insane was Martin Potter was congratulating him for it. Martin Potter's viewing it going, I love the way that he's doing multiple checks off the bottom to make sure that he's in the right place for the top turn. And I'm going, Potts, that's the opposite of what he should be doing. That's a page out of Adriano's book. Whereas Connor Coffins from the Tom Curran book. Like he should stick with the current thing. Yeah, And so I thought that was really questionable of Connor and again questionable of Potts.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that, right? We want to see speed flying. You and I always are commenting hey, if they're not going from one maneuver into another with and making it look easy then there's a problem there and that's what you're pointing Which out Which is
0: something that, by the way, I think the backhanders can do a little bit easier at Snapper. They have that uh I don't know one line of flow kind of through bottom and top turns. But they're going to have a little bit more difficulty creating a variety of maneuvers off the top.
1: So interestingly, Dave surf stats, um, he, he backs up your feeling regarding which of those five characteristics of the judging criteria did the judges, um, you know, adhere to. And number one, David SurfStats agrees with you. David Lee scales combination of major, major maneuvers was number one. Two was style, speed, power, and flow, according to surf stats. Okay. Style, number two. Okay. Three was innovative and progressive maneuvers.
0: Yeah, well, you can make the argument that giving Italo the 10 for that backside spin, that, you know, it's innovative and progressive. And they gave him a 10 for one maneuver, basically.
1: A variety of maneuvers was the last one. And, you know, when you talk about Slater's heat against Gabriel Medina and their last waves, their last flurry there, Slater did an incredible little... I mean, it wasn't a massive error, but he did an incredible... He was very... There was a lot of variety on his last wave. Yeah. There was not a lot of variety on Gabe's last... Now, Gabe's wave was great. I'm yeah. not doubting it. But when we talk about variety of maneuvers, when you see a guy... You know how they had that panned out view where yeah. you saw both, both rides, yeah. like a pulled out? And you see Gabe just banging it, banging it, banging it pretty radically backside in the hook. And then out the back, you see... Slater banging it, banging it, and then doing an
0: air. Mm-hmm. To me, that I was like, "That's in, that's got to go in Kelly's favor." Yeah, and it didn't. I agree. Uh, I thought it should have gone in Kelly's favor favor for a number of different reasons. That's one of them. But also, in that shot, you're watching Gabriel just go bang, 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 and it's it's cool. But you look at Slater, and it's like these long lines that are carves and drawn out and speed, power and flow, not just like rapid fire succession of turns. I felt like Kelly just surfed a more complete wave period. Like it was a, it was a symphony of a bunch of different instruments being played, you know, not just the same note over and over. And yeah, that one notes intense and it's, it, it, there's an element of appeal to it, but there isn't the depth, complexity, and nuance that you're getting out of Slater's ride. So, so I thought, yeah, innovation, but also speed, power, and flow. Slater- And variety of maneuvers.
1: Great point. Slater is like jazz, and some of these other guys are like electronic dance music.
0: Totally agree,
1: dude. Now, the greatest part of- Dave at Surf Stats, his little rant. I don't know if you read it. Did you read it? Yeah, It's really good.
0: It's surf-stats.com. Exactly.
1: Thank you. Yes, surf-stats. His thing is, look, we understand that there's going to be a change in in the hierarchy of these various judging criterias. What we all want to know, what the fans on the beach, what the fantasy players want to know, what... Um, The judges should want to know what the surfers, of course, want to know is what is the weighting of these five things? Tell us beforehand. We're all on the same page. They could put up a, a, a graphics card on the broadcast that says today, because of the conditions, the judges are looking for, you know, X, Y and Z. And let us all know. So we're all on the same page. So when we watch it, we can be like, oh, well for sure we know they're going for a variety of maneuvers so kelly for sure that 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 little series of waves kelly's was way more you know more more varietal and that would be nice and i think that's an important thing that dave brings out and i think that's something that the wsl should listen to we would like to see uh transparency Mm -hmm. in this regard
0: i totally agree and i don't think the judges even know i don't even think they have that scale weighted out that is a huge problem. Yeah. And I would agree with you because you would think that if they
1: did and if they do, it probably, does it change, you know, like heat to heat? And if the wind comes on and if it does, let us all know, let us all know what's going on. Yeah.
0: Well, there was one other major event that happened in that Kelly versus Gabriel Medina heat. Um, and that is a potential interference at the beginning of the heat. No priority was set at this point. Kelly was deeper, and he was behind the rocks, and he took off on a really thick, throaty one, and he was going to backdoor the barrel section, and Gabriel Medina was down the line paddling into it, and then he pulls back because Kelly went, but ultimately created this huge mush ball that closed out the barrel, yeah. and Kelly- That should have been interference. Kelly got into the barrel. The thing looked insane, but then ran into a big foam ball, and- the commentators i think it was ronnie blakey and pete mill called it out right away they're like oh my gosh gabriel medina smashed down the section on slater is it or isn't it going to be an interference kelly came up and he didn't appeal to the judges one thing that he could have done is start waving his arms like what the hell was that you know he didn't he just got back on his board paddled back out in the way and the heat continued ultimately there was no interference called came down to the final exchange. Gabriel got the nod in the heat, went on to... That was a quarterfinals. So Gabriel went on to lose in the semifinals, and Kelly was out of the event after that heat. A um, lot of controversy online about whether or whether that wasn't an interference. You're saying that it should have been.
1: Yeah. I, I Look, if you close out a section on a guy, it's interference. It's a simple.
0: The argument was... Kelly probably wasn't going to make that wave. I do, That's not a good argument. I agree. That's not even an argument. Yeah. You
1: can't even argue that. Yeah. You have to give him the chance to let him decide whether he can do that or not.
0: The other major, um, not a major actually, it's kind of a minor point of discussion was there was no priority set at this point in the heat. So if Kelly had priority, then he has really unquestionable right of way to this wave whereas right now they're still battling it out there's a little more room for discussion like that interestingly stab magazine did an interview with Kelly about this would you like to hear Kelly's thoughts on it? yes did you read it yet no okay cool so Kelly Kelly said at the time I thought it was strange that a whitewater caved in I didn't realize it was from him it looked like a clean wave when I stood up and it had a nice line into the barrel and I just ran straight into a foam ball I thought that it was strange because it looked like it was going to stay open. And when I watched it on the video, it was pretty clear that he caved it in. So let's comment on that. Well, first Uh, of all,
1: just because there's no priority set doesn't mean there can't be interference.
0: Agreed. Agreed. But I would comment right now saying, unquestionably, Gabriel Medina caved in the wave on Slater. Whether he would have made it or not, Gabe's a doesn't cheater. really matter. Let's just call
1: it like we see it. Gabe's a cheater. He <laughs> well, cheats. Okay, it's not so the
0: first time. It won't be the last. Kelly commented on that too. And Kelly said, I don't think he intended to do it. I think he didn't realize how much he paddled into the wave, most likely, but he definitely blocked my Well, headset. I don't...
1: I, I was sort of kidding. Regarding intent, I would agree that there probably wasn't malice there wasn't specific intent to cause this to be an issue, but it doesn't mean that it's not interference. Agreed.
0: I I don't think the intent matters in this. It doesn't. Right. Intent does not matter. Kelly goes on to say, generally it should be an interference with the priority. If I had had priority when it happened, 100% it would have been interference. But personally, I don't see why it's any different if I didn't have priority by saying that they, uh, that's basically them acknowledging that it interfered on my wave. um, the judges said that the camera angles, from the camera angles, they couldn't determine 100% whether the foam ball stopped me from making it. So they Everybody, had to err on the side of caution. That's
1: bullshit. I agree.
0: Everybody, I
1: mean, as soon as it happened, I was getting texts yeah. from multiple sources, yeah. different players in different clubhouses. You know, all my fantasy buddies yeah. calling bullshit on that. Yep. And when it's that instantaneous, everybody that surfs knows. Yeah. Like it, it, you know what I mean? It's I just, agree.
0: It's just so obvious. There's a part of you, though, that also feels like, I don't want this to happen in the very first exchange because I want to see them surf it out. Not me. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. like that. Gabe's so good. I'm like, I'll take this interference I'll right take, now, I'll take baby. the freebie. But also, yeah. Kelly's so good. We've seen him make unmakeable barrels time and time and time again, yeah. and that was one that it was like I would have I would have give, like I think he could have made a ten out of that wave, you know. So that was a major faux pas on the side of the judges, I would say.
1: Yeah, so I would agree with that. You know, um, look, Gabe interfered. It's uh, more than unfortunate.
0: Well, how do you feel about Slater? Then, like his, we've questioned, or I guess maybe I've questioned. His focus and his interest in the tour and returning for a t- attempting for a twelfth world title, and he says that he's going to, but he's been saying it for years and then not really giving us a hundred percent. How do you feel about his focus coming into this event and his the way that he served?
1: I like it because I'll t- my feeling is is that it, it's not overboard one way or the other. Okay, look, he got a quarterfinal finish. That's a keeper in your in your twelve events or eleven events or whatever. True. it is, right. He's got to feel good about it. He surfed well. He surfed. I I think he surfed focused. Uh, His maybe his first round heat was a little weird. Sometimes his boards looked a little off. I don't know if you noticed that as
0: well, but certainly, like you said, in the early heat,
1: his round one heat, his board looked a little bit off. Like there was a little hiccup um, Mm -hmm. during parts of his turn where. I don't know, there was just a just a slight lack of flow. I really, really watch what his boards are doing. Like, yeah. I'm really keeping an eye on it. Um, and he switched boards and things just went incredible. You know, they went way better for him. Mm-hmm. And his board looked like it was flowing and that there was speed and that there was um, a lot of connectivity between the turns. So, And as far as his mental state, I think he's right there. You know, he was there throughout the event. Um, he just seemed even-keeled. He didn't seem too high or too low
0: i totally agree which i agree with you also is a good thing to see like he's not coming in over amped but he's also not coming in um half half you know interested like we actually have seen in the past i feel like he's in a very balanced place and that's it's something that i think is where he performs his best at now i speculated that this was going to be his final year on tour. And I say speculation because he didn't come out and ever say that prior to this event. But there was rumor that he had spoken to friends and basically said this would be his final effort. He actually commented about it on day one where they actually did do a morning show. Ronnie and um, Pete kind of asked him about it. And he basically said that he's going to... He's committed to pulling it, putting in a full effort this year, and if at the end of the year he feel like something has clicked where he like really feels motivated to compete, he'll continue to compete in the following year. But his intent currently is to put it all on the line this year, one final crack, win a world title, and go out on top. He said also, from a health standpoint, that his back feels the best that it's felt in years, and that up until now he's actually avoided surfing at times because he has so much back pain. So he started a new physical training regimen three months ago and he's feeling better than he's ever felt, which actually makes him feel competent and confident enough to go and give it a full crack.
1: Yeah. If you're a Kelly Slater fan, you're feeling good about the way the event went about the way he looks about the way he seems mentally and, um, like mentally he's always pretty on par. I mean, he, that might be the strongest part of his game is is how mature he is.
0: Totally, except that he was focusing on other things. Right, up but until
1: now. yes, exactly. So, well, and, I and, won't really admit that. I know you feel that way, but
0: well, and <laughs> I'm so just like, teasing you. I, 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 had a, I interviewed uh, had a podcast with Sal Master. I Taylor saw that. Week. Yeah, you and, got
1: looks like you guys are best buddies. You and Sal, dude. Totally. How good? A, look, Sal's besties. incredible. Besties, you guys are besties. B-
0: BFFs. Sorry, I, saw, I know you're jealous, but
1: I am kind of. And I noticed that he had a chop hop that you got him to get, and it's rare for an African American to get a chop hop going. But <laughs> that was he, a had, hat. A, he he's had a he had a bit of a yeah. whatever. I'm calling it. I'm I'm taking it that he's like, you know what? We're such best friends, David and I, that that Sal went and got um, the chop hop thing going.
0: Well, Sal was commenting about Slater's state of mind and said, like, yeah, he's focused on those other things, but you got to realize his ability to multitask and brain capacity is greater than yours and mine. And so he can actually manage a wave pool and a clothing brand at levels that you and I can't.
1: Well, you would argue that that's not the case. And you have argued this for a couple of years now, just, that I, the reason that he didn't do well in the last few years on tour or did not win, you, you've you mentioned this. And I, quite frankly, I think that, you know, as much as I don't want to admit it, There's you have You present a good point.
0: I just look at the numbers. I mean, the results say what they say. Exactly. That's all that I'm saying. Yeah. is like, wow, the guy hasn't won an event up until choking. So I think Sal's kissing
1: his ass a little, quite frankly.
0: Yeah. Well, what about Slater chiming in on your Instas, dude? What do you mean? You didn't see? No. Dude, Slater and I had a battle on your Instagram account.
1: You're kidding? Which no, which photo?
0: The one? Do you not check Instagram? Dude? I mean, this I, is the high, this would have been your fifteen minutes of fame, right? now. Wow. The one where uh, it's you posted a video of Slater surfing. Uh, oh, round two. Okay, yeah. Some. Um, oh, and I said, yeah, I said well, he looks solid. He looks like he's dirty. yeah. And then one of the, our listeners commented on it, and then like uh, called me out for criticizing Slater. So I argued back, and then oh, okay. Slater commented, battling with me, and then I had to tell him what's up. Oh yeah, I see this here, yeah. So how did you not know, dude? Come on. I'm just not When seeing I saw it. Slater uh pop up on my notifications that he tagged me, I was like, uh obviously I'm screenshotting this and gonna print it out and hang it on my wall because this is my greatest moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm surprised you didn't feel the same way. I never saw stuff. it.
1: This is the first time seeing it. But Crazy. good for you guys. I'm look, um Let's get him on the show, right? I I'd love to I've I've interviewed him numerous times. He's he's a great interview. Yeah. Obviously, but you know that's also another great thing about Kelly that we've that we've mentioned numerous times is his that he's that he puts himself out there, you know.
0: I know. Well, that's I. I kind of felt like the same thing. So let me just reiterate for listeners what happened on the Instagram is um, the like I said the other listener was arguing for Slater looking great, and I'm like, well, the guy ended up in round two. Like he lost. Not only did he lose to. Um, The Heat winner, I forget. Oh, Fanning in round one, but he lost to Jeremy Flores. So Slater actually got third. And then guys like guy made an argument back and then Slater chimed in and goes, yeah, well, those guys got better waves than I did. And I told Slater, I'm like, well, dude, your ability's never been in question your focus has been and shouldn't catching the first, w- the best waves be priority number one in a surf contest. So then Slater chimed in and was like, yeah, but snapper rocks is notoriously hard to pick the good waves. And sometimes the good ones and what looks like a good wave ends up being a bad wave and what looks like a bad wave ends up being a good wave. And I left it at that. I didn't argue back with him at that point. But what I wanted to say back to him was I'm arguing that you're not focused on the contest while you're sitting in the contest venue arguing with me on Instagram. That proves that I'm right. Well, first like, of all, you should have been no, focused minute, on the event. You're arguing with some random dude no. who has a podcast on Instagram. Like, focus, dude. I think I
1: think he is focused. First of all, he's he's right. We all know that the wave there, a two-footer turns into a five-footer, and the five-footer ends up going into a hole and ends quickly. And you know, it's it is notoriously difficult to determine which wave is going to be the one that that lines up nicely and hits the bank perfectly. Yeah. So, and the fact that he's engaging you on Instagram suggests that he is focusing, that he's thinking about exactly what needs to be done in the event. Yeah. I mean, that's just one form of focus to be engaged with how I can better my performance in the next round.
0: Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying. Yeah, duh. We all know these things. Like, and But I could also argue, you, Mr. Slater, and Parco and Fanning, seem to always get the best waves out there over the course of years. Like, yeah. you guys are the guys who can always Yeah, they know, they know which pick. one. I would so, agree with that. And I would also argue, well, Felipe Toledo can turn a knee-high wave into a... Or we saw Idolo get a closeout and turn it into a 10. So instead of you arguing that you didn't get good enough waves, get the clothes out and show me a 10. Like, <laughs> wow, you know, yeah. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like throwing
1: that's, it down on the microphone, <laughs>
0: but I didn't throw it down on Insta. Cause like, I right. agree with you. Like you're right. Except for there's all these caveats that you've proven to be the exception to the rule. So I don't know why you're now trying to argue the rule to me. You're the guy who's the exception to the rule, dude. Well, here's what's
1: even more perhaps interesting or, um, sort of ironic, right? Is that I, I, posted his heat to a wave off of his heat to round round two, excuse me,
0: where he beat Nick Young.
1: Right. And I said, wow, looking sharp, one heat, one wave at a time, which is sort of my way of saying, focus, please. I'm counting on you. This is our year, bro. Let's do this, man. Let's get 12. And I don't know if you noticed that, but I was thinking of you when I did this because I was like, look, let's just do this one
0: wave, one heat at a time. Which so if you look at the entire, and he, I mean, look, he's he's the king at this. So I agree. And what's interesting when you word it that way is if you look at the entire event, all you got to do is get eight waves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, two waves in heat right. one will put you into round three. Two waves in round three will put you into round uh, four. So that and then two waves in round four. That's six two waves in the court. so maybe more than 8 waves but like 10 12 waves is all you need to win a contest it's really that simple
1: by the way i was sort of not rooting for nat young in that heat because i want kelly to win the world title but i was sort of stoked to see that nat young won the trials and was in the event and then in, in his round 1 heat i wanted to see nat i would have been stoked to see nat young go far in this yeah, event too. And, um,
0: and pull the th- same thing that Seabass pulled last year. Right. He got bumped off the previous year, got a wild card entry in, and then stayed on all year. I hope that
1: Nat gets plenty of points. I don't know how many points he's going to get for a round two exit, either. but yeah. I'd love to see Nat Young get back on tour. I know that sounds odd, especially based on what we saw. The field looked solid. Yeah. Everybody looked good. I mean, it was pretty exciting, Gnarly. right? The he's, ones who yeah. didn't look good, um, I guess Leo and, um, Who's the other rookie that didn't do so hot? Um, Ethan Ewing?
0: Ethan Ewing. But he he surfed incredibly, but he still lost. And so let's talk about the rookies real quick, actually, because um, pretty exciting lineup, I was surprised
1: to see Frederico and Zeke, who I said both of those guys, I don't see them doing well at Snapper Rocks. They didn't do well, but they got through. Zeke got a 10. Yeah, I mean, I was blown away. You know, like, I just... Again, we talked about big power hack surfers like in the Poncho Sullivan vein, and that's yeah. sort of how I see those guys. But um, they they
0: did their stuff. Well, you know? the rookie we need to talk about is Connor O'Leary, right? I mean, Connor who? O'Leary, the guy who made who? what was it the quarters or the semis? Yeah, I know If you're still saying who? Then I know. It's your fault. No, I was, I was. Uh, but he, he. I mean, it's foot he, in mouth. He surfed undeniably good, you know. Like, yeah. but again, I said in our last show. He reminds me of Ace Buckin, and he certainly lived up to that, where it's it's very, very impressive and very technically sound and tactical. It's just not that exciting. I can't remember a wave that he surfed in the event. Right. So that's my question mark with Conor O'Leary, and that leads into this other theme that I think we saw emerge in this event, which is, is backside surfing at snapper being overscored? I don't think it is. I... When you look at what Owen and Welco did and
1: Idolo and Gabe, quite frankly, those guys, pr- it's pretty fun to – I mean, it's pretty – I don't think they're being overscored. I think Snapper – you, you can score more points going backside. Yeah, I just do. I think you can just go bang, 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 bang. Same maneuver over and over, but the combination of major maneuvers, because they all are major. Mm-hmm. I mean, one big vertical hack into another one, but this time your fins are out, then back into another, then maybe a little float, then we're back up into it. You can just bang out more vertical, critical maneuvers backside at Snapper Rocks. And Wilco proved it last year. They both proved it this year, Owen Wright and Wilco. and it's not boring. No I mean it was it's it was fascinating.
0: I, I don't disagree. and when I'm watching the event, I actually side with the judges and the backsiders that it is very impressive. I guess once I remove myself a little bit and look at the 30,000 foot level down on it, I then come up with questions like, degree of difficulty is a part of the judging criteria. free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Well I agree. And at some point we do need to go, okay, it's time for one of these guys to bust out an aerial. And Gabe will do that. And Idolo will do that. Wilco and Owen Wright, are they gonna on the outside section at Snapper Rocks Go into an aerial maneuver? Probably not.
0: We've seen... So years ago, we saw Wilco actually do a rodeo on that section. The waves are marginal. But we will also see Wilco do fin throws and slides. But see, my thing... Different than an air.
1: The the deal with with, um, commitment and degree of difficulty, a lot of that has to do with the context. If you're in the finals or even say even the semifinals, which might even have more context and you 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 have to get out of this heat to make the final and you're doing you're going for aerials on the outside and you're making them you should get heavily rewarded because mm-hmm. you're throwing the 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 rest of that wave you're you're basically putting it all on the line on the outside section yeah and that's the kind of thing that we need to see rewarded we need like surfers will try that when they realize they're going to get rewarded if you're on your second section you're going to do an incredible aerial and you make it The rest of what you do down the line almost doesn't matter because you you put it out there. And that's the kind of thing where we need to see the judges explain it to us up front. Hey, you guys, you bust an aerial on the first or second section at Snapper Rocks Mm -hmm. and you make it, you're already in the eight-point range. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is trim the rest of the way through to Marley. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, that's degree of difficulty. That's commitment to degree of difficulty.
0: I totally agree with the sentiment. I just don't know if that sec- if that's what that section calls for at Snapper. I'm just, Oftentimes. I'm just
1: saying, if you're willing to throw it all out on the line at the beginning of the wave, yeah. wherever it is, right? You've, you're committing to yeah. a lot. Yeah. Or you're just gonna okay? Let's just you just said a backside hack isn't that difficult, and it, I would agree. Those guys yeah. make it look pretty easy. So okay, let's just do a bunch of those and then do the aerial at the end. Well, now you're not committing to. You know, you're not pushing the limits of professional surfing and you're going NSSA three to the beach on us.
0: And again, when we look at the nuance of difficulty, like there is a, a huge nuance of difference between Owen Wright's backside snap. That one actually is very difficult if it's in the pocket and whatever. But again, it's still a backside snap. It's it's not the most difficult maneuver in, and sur- it's the
1: seventh seventh of them he's done on one yeah, wave. Yeah,
0: So that is my only like caveat with this event. Watching the goofy footers take over the event essentially in recent years, Gabriel. Well, I think up.
1: I think Snapper's a goofy foot wave. Just Apparently much it like is, Pipeline. We never knew that when you go left at Pipeline, it's a backsiders wave. Yeah, and um, there there's certain waves. The funny thing is. Back door pipe, I think, is a, not a backside wave. I think it's a regular foots wave. True, but a lot of tubes are backsiders waves because the positioning you can, your body can tweak into. Snapper is a backside wave. I think it's proven out. I've, I you get more maneuvers per. Moment.
0: I personally, I know you don't agree with this. I personally prefer going left if the waves are hollow. I'm more comfortable on my backhand than I am on my forehand for some reason. Now the chop pop know. looks better. Yeah, that's true. Right. It's my better side.
1: So, anyway, well, so one of the things. I think the judges and at surf stats.com brought this out and we, we talked about it earlier, but I, I would like to hear from the listeners what they think about the idea of. Transparency from the judges beforehand, so we know what we're looking at. I'd also love for them to say, "Hey, if you really want to immediately get into the excellent range, then show us commitment to degree of difficulty in the first two sections of the wave on the right. outside, just like it lowers." Right. If you know, we don't want to see finishing the wave with with an aerial unless you did
0: one outside. Yeah. Like you're not going to get scored as high. I agree. Let's talk about another uh, theme. Wilco shutting you and I up. I know. I'm, <laughs> i mean- <laughs> I'm, I'm actually so, so did Owen, but well, Wilco, Owen's a bigger
1: story. Wilco let's really do Wilco did. First. No, we need to. Okay, let's like we are eating crow right now, Matt Wilkinson. Right. Like- I mean,
0: from the start, one year ago, from the time he won this event last year, we were just heaping mounds of crap on him just like there's no way he's, he's gonna so do it again lucky can you I believe that leave how lucky will how much did got. he
1: drink last he, night yeah <laughs> this was
0: just a flash in the pan a kind of wetsuit is he gonna wear and then he wins bells and we're like eh, two flashes yeah. in the pan just not he gonna happen lucky again. twice yeah. <laughs> and then, and and then we are a year later and he's smoking guys with a lot of confidence with a lot of gusto with a lot of all the excitement He's it, always fun to watch, but he's he got a great but we, style. But we thought that that would only last so long, and like he's gonna now make it's gonna become formulaic after the course of a year. It hasn't become formulaic. It's still very exciting. Well, the to watch. same.
1: The, what needs to be seen, which Owen has already showed us, is Wilco at eight to ten foot. Cloud break, and I know he can. He charges. He's shown us that he's done well in heats, but we're talking about a, a win. We need a heat. We need a um, an event win from Wilco in you know solid surf, like yeah. legitimate. You know, so big cloud break, big chopu. Agreed. Big that, that's the difference
0: between a world title and a couple of wins yeah. throughout the yeah. year. You need to do well in those big barreling lefts. Now, he's made the semis at Chopu, I think it was three years ago. He was ripping. When it was, when it was 10 Yeah, feet. no, there's no so doubt. So he's done it occasionally. No, he has. I know. But, but what you need for a world title is consistency. And so that's what we're going to need to see from Wilco. But again, I'm not questioning it anymore. Well, I, and I think I need to shut
1: up. I'll up just back belt. up a little. I'll just backpedal a little bit. I think we know that Wilco can surf 10-foot cloud break and surf it well. The thing with Wilco the reason that you and i are like no way is this image that he's put out there that he's at the bar um, or he's just got this fun loving he's the guy that's going to make you laugh and so you're sort of surprised when he wins you're like it's oh it's
0: off brand for him to win it's off brand thank you it is it's off brand his brand is what we're you waiting just for said. him to
1: become a free surfer or yeah you know be a rep for rip curl or
0: something yeah you know? well what's funny is to support his brand image after he won last year, he posted an Instagram photo of his bar tab, and it was like $10,000 or something. Like He took all every all his buddies and went to the bar and then posted the photo. So it's kind of like, yeah, even though you won this event, you're still yeah, showing us that, how much of a party right, you that are that after Right, that feeds them.
1: into the brand that, yeah. oh, you know what? There's no way he's going to win bills, bells. He's still hungover. Exactly,
0: exactly. So one thing I will say about Wilco, I said it one year ago. The exciting thing about him is when he's coming off the bottom, you don't know what angle of approach he's going to take off the top. So there's an element of spontaneity in Very his surfing much so. that you don't get out of Owen Wright or Connor O'Leary or Great other point. backside surfers. And then when he does hit the lip, you still don't know if he's going to blow the fins out and slide it, or fling it into a three, or, or like just if he's going to go out the back. Ex- like yeah, sometimes could he fail. just fails. Exactly. You know,
1: and that's that. You totally so, nailed it. The spontaneity that is inherent in his surfing is is fun to watch.
0: It's what we like, and why he gets big scores. Yeah. Whereas um, Julian Wilson's bottom turn, you know exactly that he's going into the wrap off the top, so that hurts Julian Wilson in terms of scoring. Yeah, and then if you don't. Let me, yeah. if you, if he doesn't execute that with perfect form, now he gets downgraded in Julian's example. Whereas Wilco, it's like there's always an element of going to be upgraded because we're kind of, ex, we don't know what to expect.
1: There's, he might be the poster boy for spontaneity, which we love. And so Agreed. it'd be neat to look at the tour and go, okay, who falls into the category of spontaneity? And I would suggest you that Kelly does. For sure, Wilco, we're not. Idolo does, right? And then who falls into the other side
0: of Predictability.
1: Kolohe. Ace Julian. Buchen. Ace Bucken, Adriano. Yeah. Right? Maybe exactly. Bede.
0: For Probably sure, Bede. a lot
1: more of them. Yeah. And and I think the spontaneity side of the equation needs to be, uh, the judges need to reward that, and I think they do in many cases. They do
0: uh, unknowingly, I think. Yeah. It's just more exciting. Yeah. And there's this Gabe case- Gabe is in the spontaneity side. Well, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, so- this fits into the conversation. We had a philosophical conversation at the beginning of our last episode, which was setting expectations for your day and, and your surf session. When you have low expectations, you always have fun surfing because it's always better than you expected. Right. When you have high expectations and a quiver of 20 boards, then you're always disappointed. Right. You, you don't know which board to ride. You figure you always rode the wrong one. So this fits into that where it's like we don't know what to expect from Wilco. Therefore, he always delivers.
1: You know um – Speaking of spontaneity and expecting a lot, you know what about the we went into the season going, look, Jordy, Julian, Kolohe, um, who are the other two that have to win a world title? Or Jordy, that
0: Jordy, Julian, Kolohe were the main.
1: Yeah, those are the ones like the best surfers to not own a world title. It yeah. used to be Taj, now it's Kolohe, Jordy, and Julian. Julian, yes, thank you. There was two others that I had on there, but no. Those yeah. are the three, right? Those are the three. They didn't really have great events. I know.
0: It's really And short so what does the
1: world title, David, look to you now that those... like I know. I'll, let me say this. If Gabe won the event, I'd be like, uh-oh. He's cementing a foundation and he's moving through and it's going to be hard to stop him. With Owen and even Wilco in the final, you're kind of like, you know what? The world title feels wide open still. It doesn't feel like... You know, one of the major players that's already got a tour win, like Mick, Gabe, even Slater, you don't feel like, "Uh uh-oh, they're putting the hammerlock on the world title early. If they have a great event, the the two remaining events in Australia, it's really going to be an uphill battle for the rest of the guys. It feels wide open.
0: It feels wide open, but my call coming out of this event in terms of focus and ability feels like Slater, believe it or not. I'm the last guy to say that, but it does. He seemed like the guy who had it... The surfing ability and everything else most put together in this event. It feels like, even a, though he didn't win,
1: it feels like a quarterfinal is part of the plan for totally. Kelly. Like, okay, this is exactly how I see it unfolding. You this know, puts what I mean? me into a
0: position where yeah. I can maneuver now. Yeah. Whereas, uh, I like Owen Wright. Even though he won the event, I don't. This doesn't make me think he's going to win a world title. Even though he very well could.
1: Speaking of Kelly, you, I, I'm just kind of riffing in my head as the event went. You know, as I'm replaying the event in my head. That moment when Kelly and Gabe came up into the contestants area and looked for the score. Great moment. That was WSL. Whoever produced that, or or that was like WSL gold right there. That was was like the type of stuff that they need more of. I mean, that was compelling to see two competitors side by side with a general feeling of goodwill amongst them and Mm -hmm. amongst everyone watching and waiting for the score to drop.
0: I thought... I could see the disappointment in Kelly's face too when the score got called. Well, he got cheated on. What? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and that was the indicator cuz we couldn't hear the score in that moment and before that was a problem before Gabriel actually reacted positively, I saw Kelly get deflated and then I saw him turn and just like congratulate Gabe, but it was so half-hearted. He couldn't conceal his contempt, you know, and I thought I I was glad to see that, again, in terms of Kelly and his focus and going on to win a world title. Like, I was kind of glad to see that from Kelly, even though I wanted Kelly to win that heat. Um, So I agree, though. That was great drama. And Peter King was right there with his camera in their faces, too. So I'm sure he's going to put out a tour notes edit with that footage. Good stuff. By the way, your picks for this final were Leonardo Fioravanti and Chloe Andino. And mine was Julian Wilson. (laughs)
1: I picked so, Leo and Kaloe in the final. Yes, man.
0: Uh, I think I don't remember if I said it, but in my head, it was Julian and Gabe were who I had for this final. Um, Julian lost in round three. That was hugely disappointing. Leo lost in round two. Uh, Kaloe surfed really, really well and lost a very hard-fought battle. A buddy of mine was arguing before this event that Kaloe is going to be the guy who makes a charge for the world title this year. And uh, based on last year's fourth place finish, based on how he looked in the offseason, his training, his focus. And I think that's a fair argument. And I think Kaloi came in and delivered on that promise, but still just lost a very, very tough heat. So he's someone to watch.
1: The world title is wide open. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's Now, didn't they used to go to Bells before they went to Margaret River? And now they're going to Margaret River. And I always thought they went to Bells first. But anyway. I think you're right. Yeah. I thought that they went to Bells first. But apparently they're going to Margaret River next.
0: Yeah. I remember. Bells was always around Easter.
1: By the way, what happened to Felipe Toledo? Right? If you had Felipe Toledo and Mick Fanning on your team. Which which I I did. I had Mick. A lot of people did. 90-something percent of the fantasy players had Mick Fanning on their team. Yeah. Which makes sense because he was a value pick, at least on the Surfer Magazine one. Um, gosh, Felipe Toledo kind of feels like he's not around.
0: Yeah, he surfed well. I forget who he even lost to. And actually I felt embarrassed because on our last show, he should have been our first pick being a past event winner in the way that he serves this wave. And we didn't mention him at all. And after I was driving away that day, I was like, you know what? Felipe's the guy at snapper. I don't know why I didn't mention him. And then. Thankfully, I mean, like he actually never ended up doing much in this event, but I don't know. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't even remember who he lost to, to be able to make that call. Um,
1: well, so, great event. Super fun well, event. So much to su- unpack still. Really. Well,
0: no, the biggest story in this event. Oh yeah. We haven't got there. <laughs> Owen Wright. Right. Owen Wright. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to set the table for the listeners if, as if they don't already know the story. Owen Wright suffered a major head injury. In the winter of 2015, just before the Pipe Masters event, he got the it was a pumping swell leading into the event, eight foot proper pipe. He got the three best waves of the day that day. When everybody, John John Slater, everybody was out there. Owen Wright got the three best waves, then while paddling out, was duck diving a set and actually got a concussion just from duck diving. He didn't know that he had a concussion, but he went in, went, you know, rip curl guy, goes to the rip curl house, takes a nap. Maddie Wilkinson has to wake him up from the nap. And he's like, dude, you've been asleep forever. Are you okay? Owen went into the kitchen dazed and Wilco knew something was wrong. So they took him to the hospital. Turns out serious head trauma concussion has he signs up for taking the first he withdraws from the pipe masters then takes the first six months off of the 2016 season at which point he takes the rest of the year off so major head trauma um which again even scientists doctors don't know really how these things play out and they don't know how the effects of it but To make a long story even longer, he comes back. This is his first event back in over a year. Goes on to win the event. By the way, in the final against Matt Wilkinson, who's the guy who woke him up from the nap at at Pipe the previous when the injury happened. So, really, you can't script this. The WSL, like this, is amazing, amazing story. Perhaps the greatest comeback we've ever seen from an injury, from really a life-threatening injury. Sean Doherty put it best in one of his recaps on Surfer Mag. He said, quote, "Think about it for a second. A year ago, there were no guarantees he'd ever surf again, let, it, let alone regain life as he knew it. And yet, here he is in the quarters. His victory this afternoon marked the point where, in terms of this contest at least, he stopped being Owen Wright, brain injury survivor, and simply became Owen Wright again." End quote. Well, that's great. Um, I'm still,
1: but it, am I in a rush to put Owen on my fantasy team? Different I'm. Question. I think now more than ever, I'm. I'm even more confused than I was before. Before it was like Owen Wright brain injury guy. I'm Ooh. not putting him on my team. Now we'll I'm like, see
0: him climb back into form, maybe.
1: Well, he's in form, like, but now he, he is. Yeah, there's no. He's in form, right? But, but. I'm still like I, I'm more confused than ever about Owen Wright. Yeah. About putting him on my team. About is this just a one-hit wonder? And the story's great, and we'll have it for the rest of the year and for the remainder of time. And what a great thing! And
0: we got to celebrate it now. We're because it's we're remarkable. gonna sell.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, all of those things, right? But but what about Margaret River? What about bells? Like what about Chopu? Yeah. Like is it just me? Do you do you get the same sense that I, I'm like gosh. I, I feel. The Do same I way. need to see another result? Do I need to see more from him before I'm like, yeah, you know what, he, he is. This wasn't a flash in the pan. This wasn't like the hand of God going. I'm going to celebrate Owen and all his goodness in front of the millions at Snapper Rock. This is wonderful, baby. New, you know, yeah, all of these things. Like, it, why aren't I in a rush to put him on my team? Because well, prior not? to his injury, he was like you know a foundation of my team.
0: Of course, uh, I would encourage you to learn from your mistakes last year with Matt Wilkinson. <laughs> okay. Whereas like you saw Matt Wilco win one. You're like, eh, screw that guy. He's not going to do it again. No, I don't have be the same. No, I no, look,
1: I guess is Owen Wright really back?
0: It's a great question. Well, we'll find out in eight days. <laughs> Should I put
1: him on my team? It depends on the price. I'm, I'm concerned. It
0: depends on the price. I I actually felt the same concern as you. And I might be completely wrong in thinking and saying this, but in some of his post-eat interviews, I wasn't sure, like, is he, he fully there? He looked a little off. He looks a little off. Like, he looks emaciated, first of all. Like, he's skinny, super skinny. He's always been fit, and he looks like he's uh, he's got a six-pack, so he's fit, but he's, like, he's lost muscle mass, you know? So I'm wondering, is he one? His surfing ability is amazing at Snapper, but is he 100% back into form? Sean Doherty, of course, is saying, yeah, this is, he's become Owen Wright again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. He was ripping and he looked
1: great. I
0: think it's the greatest story. Like, oh, it's awesome. Dude, it was it's a awesome. tearjerker. It, it was. was. like, And for him to be there with Wilco was just like, oh my gosh, like these guys are buddies from childhood. And Wilco <laughs> no. helped him survive. Like if Wilco we'll let him sleep through that nap in Pipeline oh, no. a year and a half ago, who knows what we'd have today or what we wouldn't have? You know, like it's it's an unbelievable story. Here's another storyline out of that: Glenn Hall. Oh my god, is coaching both those guys? I, did you see
1: the thing Kelly Slater put on his Instagram? The story. Yeah, the story yeah. where he's got like Glenn Hall. I don't know where is he like getting on an elevator or no, something? No, they
0: were in the back in the contest. Zone. Oh, that's
1: right. They were in the, the locker room. Yeah. And he's like, have you made more money this week than you did your entire year on tour? <laughs> <laughs> Glenn or said all, of yes. your, all of your years on tour combined. I, he made I, more money in one week.
0: I think, you know, he said, he goes, have you gotten a pay increase now that you're off tour? Oh, <laughs> that yeah, what that's it what it was. Yeah. And I think that that Glenn Hall said yes. Glenn's like, well, I lost money when I was on tour because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a major sponsor. So he's paying out of pocket to go to these <laughs> events. And um Glenn and, Hall's like that little
1: mouse in the Walt Disney cartoons that's super smart that makes off with everyone's dough.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's undeniable at this point. If you ever had any question marks about Glenn Hall, what he was contributing as a coach. They're all erased. He coached Tyler Wright to a world title. He coached Wilco into title contention and two contest wins last year. Now, not only has he got Wilco back in the final, he's coaching Owen Wright. And Owen Wright wins the event coming off of the injury. Glenn Hall is the greatest coach we've ever seen in surfing.
1: Well, there was some great insight. I think Barton Lynch or Peter Mellor, one of the guys, um, brought it up during the heat. The final, right, between... Wilco and Owen Wright basically saying, what do you tell Wilco if you're, if you're micro hall, if you're Glenn hall and you're his coach, you're both of these guys coaches. They're both in the finals. What do you tell Wilco and, Michael Hall basically said something along the lines of, hey, look, in six months at J-Bay or wherever we are on tour in six months, you don't want to be looking back at this heat and going, gosh, if I would have tried a little harder, if I wouldn't have just laid down for my friend, I might be still in contention or those extra points would have mattered. So pretty good insight there on the way he coaches.
0: Because, uh, by the way, Nat Young is exactly having that conversation with himself because it came down to one heat last year. If if Nat Young would have not only won that one heat, if he would have gotten one wave that would have given him the score to make that one heat, he would still be on tour this year. It's so. like
1: uh, football, you know, a game of inches. Well, the WSL, every heat matters, you know. that's totally. That could be one of the marketing… Uh Every wave. Once.
0: I mean, that's really it comes down to each individual wave. So, And Slater's talked about that, too, where Every he's had turn. World, world titles come down to it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really that's why we love it, and that's why it's exciting. So I think that's great insight from Glenn Hall. Um, Glenn Hall also said all the work is done before they even show up at the event. So he's like, we've done everything we need to do just to get to the event. Now you just let muscle memory take over, basically. And I'm just here to crack a beer and... Watch, yeah, but I'm. I
1: think that there's a lot of mental yeah. stuff that needs to go down. Can I use this? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I agree with you for sure. And and you know, it also brings up the the case of look when your when your surfer wins, you, you as a coach is you know you're you're everything. You're you're part of the reason why. How much blame do you take as a coach if your surfer doesn't win? I'm not sure. Well, it's an interesting question, right? Like, when do you, you and it. I go? Hey, it's Micro Hall's fault. Yeah.
0: Because we're all you know. It's a question to ask Ross Williams.
1: Well, that's why I brought it up. It's funny that you mentioned that was Ross's success as a coach in his debut.
0: Yeah. Well, John, John had his best performance ever at snapper. So you could argue. Yeah. How
1: do you feel about Ross
0: as a John, John coach?
1: Who knows? Like, I don't know how to like, I don't even know what it means. Like what, what, how do you coach John, John? He's the world champion. First of all, you better repeat or you look like a loser, right? Like it's kind no, of a tough, true. it's a tough position to be in.
0: You can only go down from here. You can here.
1: only go down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and the other th- question I have, and the argument could be made, well, the coach handles a lot of, he facilitates a lot of the extraneous uh, variables in terms of car rental, hotels, getting so. the guy into that's a right I don't think so.
1: I think a coach needs to be focused only on
0: getting you through each and every heat. Well, so what I was going to say is that John John has this huge entourage that he travels with that manages all of the details for him. So yeah, what is Ross's role at this point? And Maybe any coach,
1: I think if if you get hired and the person goes, "Hey, I need you to rent my car," you're you you're like,
0: no, you're totally right. Yeah, I'm I'm way off with that. So I, I'm interested though. I think that the other. The, Sorry, could you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> You'll only hear it once, but you got it on tape, so you can replay it when you go to You're totally it.
1: right. I was wrong. That's what
0: you said. You said, Scott, you're totally right. I was wrong. <laughs> I So I had an epiphany when I was talking to Sal, and it was like the common denominator among coaches is that they're all level-headed. When you look at like Mike Parsons, Gallagher, uh, Chris Gallagher ross williams these guys they're all very mild mannered they don't have huge emotional swings they're mellow but my argument would and so then you put them with wilco who's this hothead he has big spikes not a hothead but he has big spikes in terms of uh, performance he mellows them out you know glenn hall mellows wilco out and that's where you find the the kind of the common denominator John John's already a mellow dude. John John's never had big spikes. No. And so I'm wondering, yeah, Ross is super mellow, even keeled, but what does he apply to the John John equation? Well, look,
1: I think we've all heard Ross's insights. I mean, he's, he was a great uh, broadcaster for that reason, right? He was a great color commentator. I think he just brings that same sort of insight to John John. You know, like you, you heard him in the past in the booth say, hey, if I was John John coach, this coach, this is what I would tell him yeah and I think those are the things that he 's telling john john and cert- i think they're they 're smart you know they 're smart insights that he brings he
0: 's certainly a smart guy he 's got a yeah. lot of insight
1: and lots of years on tour and knows all the spots inside and out and And it's those little things, you know, it's not, I think as a coach, especially for John, John, it's not like you're going, okay, let me, you know, break you down and rebuild you. You know, I think it's more like, Hey, let's have a little talk before you heat. What are you seeing? Yeah. And then John, John says this, and then he goes, you know what? I'm seeing that too. I'm also seeing this over here. Keep in mind this little section or this, or there's this many waves in this, you know, it's just those simple little things. Keep it simple.
0: Yeah.
1: That, that Ross will bring. And that I think probably micro hall brings too, which is just all that's needed for that little extra bit.
0: Yeah. I'm imagining a fantasy scenario where Slater hires Glenn hall as a coach. I don't think that'll happen. Can you imagine such a thing?
1: All, I could see Kelly doing it just to like spite the other guys. Like, hey, look, I'm just going to hire you just to throw like a mental screwball at these other guys. How gnarly
0: would that be? That would be incredible. It'd be seriously the most interesting
1: thing. What ever. he should do is he should show up for the next event with Glenn Hall as my co- a T-shirt
0: or something, a Micro or a Surf Academy T-shirt. Yeah, Micro Surf Academy
1: T-shirt on <laughs> just, just to just- like screw with Wilco. <laughs> Absolutely, to screw with all those guys.
0: It'd be the best, that would be so good. It. That would be the best.
1: I've got an email here from my friend Earl Holt, who's been a listener to Down the Line Surf podcast for a long, long time. And he says, Hey, guys, David, it seems like your prediction of, quote, the next big thing has the same effect as being on the cover of Madden. Love the show, Earl. Madden, he, the video game? Yeah, because, you know, the the cover of the guy Madden, he always, that year he fails or he gets injured. Right. And it's been, like, notorious.
0: Yeah. I'm, and I'm he's basically saying
1: your choice of... <laughs> Carlos Munoz, Munoz, Matt Banning. Matt Banning. You yeah. have the same effect. Well, Ethan Ewing you You're has, the kiss of death, basically. Ethan Ewing can
0: look forward to a knee injury this year based on that philosophy. <laughs> right. Sorry, Ethan. <laughs> Good I, God. I cursed you. No, that's a funny, funny insight. Um, yeah, well, glad to see I can—
1: um, A friend of ours, Mendo Matt, says, Brazil, Kauai, or Encinitas are my top picks for the Bass— Scales, listener fan club, surf retreat. Are you feeling me? Morocco, Nicaragua, Mexico. That could be fun too. Depending on the response from this, you might want to pick a spot that would draw only the faithful and the seasoned. All anyway, right. Mendo Matt, he, uh, he brings in a nice long email here. Um,
0: uh, so do you want to, that's a reference to fantasy, by the way, do you want to hear what happened in the fantasy clubhouse? Yes. This <sighs> so was my worst performance ever first of all we have 500 members in the clubhouse now 502 so it's a lot and we had the record number of people wagering what was the payout which was 44 people wagering in the men's division 440 payout for first prize massive who won it alex underscore smith with a score of 899 so is he is that the alex smith the surfer no
1: I mean, I know Alex Smith's a surfer, but I mean, the, the guy from Kauai?
0: It's not that Brother Alex Smith. Brother of Koa? It's not that okay. Alex Smith. But that's um, a huge payout. So I'm going to be, I posted the um, list of people who wagered and their ranking in our clubhouse. And I always give it a few days for people just to double check my numbers because I am definitely liable to make mistakes. So did I kick your ass? Well, that was the other part I didn't want to talk about. Let's bring it up. Dude, I got last. Place last Literally out of four hundred out of how many out of the forty four people who wagered I got dead last with a score of five hundred and twenty one. Um, how about me, dude? You actually did. You landed kind of right in the middle of the pack. Let me see. Actually, pretty high in the pack. You're like tenth down the list. Seven hundred and fifteen points hmm. compared to my five hundred and twenty one. You must I don't have know had, to had for Felipe myself. Toledo. I had, I had Felipe, I had Julian, I had Mick Fanning. I didn't even put Slater on. Like, I, But I was so confident going I in. Cannot I cannot believe you I, I basically picked Kelly my team. Slater again. The way that I picked my team was good-looking regular footers. <laughs> that was the strategy. It turned out to be a failed strategy. Two ugly,
1: goofy foots were in the final. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so the guy who won, Alex Smith, had John John Kelly, Owen, Jeremy Flores, Mick Fanning, Julian Wilson, Mikey Wright, and Leonardo, which a lot of those guys actually ranked pretty poorly, but he, I think Owen Wright was the biggest differentiator for him who had Owen on their team, you know? Yeah. So that was a winning team for Alex. But let's not overlook, by the way, um, that's just the people who wagered. The guy who actually won our entire clubhouse yeah. didn't wager. It's Jay Moore Field, and he had 947 points. So – uh, well done. And his team consisted of Gabriel Medina, Matt Wilkinson, Kelly Slater, Owen Wright, Ian Gavea, Kanoa Igarashi, Mikey Wright, and Joan DeRue. Also, half that team performed really poorly. So there was a lot of room for people to actually do better in this event. It was kind of a low-scoring event. Nobody got 1,000 points. But um, a really topsy-turvy event. Very, very difficult to pick. Yeah. So. Fun though makes the makes the contest a little more enjoyable to watch when you have guys, you know, guys on your team that you're rooting for.
1: Well, I'm on a couple of different club clubhouses, and your Surf Splendor one is one of them.
0: Yeah, and shout out by the way to Chris Henry who paid your and my entry fee into this event, which was super generous. Sent I sent
1: him ten bucks. I didn't. Oh, wanna, you did. That was nice of him, but I didn't want to be. That was very kind of him. Yeah. and I thanked Chris. Yeah, but I sent him back the ten bucks because that's kind of like.
0: I, I can pay gift? my own way. Yeah, but no, it's I, a gift. No, it was very kind of him. I, See, my thought was. So basically, Chris Henry sent 30 bucks in. And he's like, hey, dude, here's my interview and yours and Scott. Thanks for the content. It was a thank you gift for the show. But my thought was like, well, that's nice of him. If I win the event, I'll split the winnings. And then I was like, eh, maybe I'll just give him his 10 bucks back if I win. <laughs> wow. So that shows you where my heart's at. Um, by the way, it we'd be remiss to not mention the Roxy event, Scott. Did you watch the women's event for the first time in your life? You know... <laughs> I, You know, like... Go ahead. (laughs) Dig the hole. Dig the hole. Look,
1: I want to watch the best possible surfing, okay, regardless of gender. And that's what I did.
0: Well, guess what? You're only hurting yourself because there was phenomenal surfing going on in the women's event, not to mention 10-point rides by uh, Stephanie Gilmore and Lakey Peterson. And I would argue Steph's 10 was actually more exciting to watch. Maybe not than Idolo's, but it was more exciting than Zeke's 10. Like Steph's 10 in the semifinal was unreal. And the style of surfing. I watched Brad. Brad Ger- I watched the girls. Brad Gerlach even said, he was like, a lot of the waves, the best waves surfed by the women would have won men's heats. And it was at that point point this year which i don't know if we could have said that in previous years don't shake your head scott it would have won some heats not the best heats and the style of surfing that steph's doing is just more i love Steph.
1: she's the princess diana of surfing i've said it for years i think think she's great and i watched her heat i watched the final she surfed great it was good to watch i wasn't disappointed yeah. I'm just not going to sit here and tell you that like I was, you know, it was earth-shattering. Like I'm not si- I'm I will tell you this that if it came out in an edit where somebody goes, "Hey, watch this cool edit." Yeah. And I had my choice between that edit and some other edits, you know, I'm not sure I would watch that edit I'll to see, get fired up to go surf. I'll see if know? I can
0: get Salmas Kayla to talk to me about the Roxy Pro cuz I got so much I want to say and you just won't won't engage. Who he? You won't. Oh. I need a new buddy to engage with the oh, N- throwing me and Roxy Poe Talk know what I'm out. saying. Wow. Yeah, dude, come on. No, I... I mean, I, I'm I watched you know, it. You know, I, I I watched it,
1: you know, and okay. it's good. It's not bad. I'm not. I'm just saying that the highest level of surfing that I can watch it, you know, it's funny. Like, I love watching women's tennis. Yeah. Because women's tennis, there's tons of volleying going on. It's like super... It's Men's tennis can just be like a serve and a return and that's it mm-hmm. you know women's tennis is bang 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 I love watching girl women's golf I, yeah. I watch tons of women's golf because they got such killer swing super smooth and buttery you know mm-hmm. and women's surfing doesn't seem I haven't found that reason that I want to love to watch it yet
0: well I would argue that you missed your opportunity here that's what I'm well, saying well I did like, the watch waves the were, final the waves are great and the women it, their surfing is so well suited to this particular spot that it was just the best surfing we've ever seen done in women surfing and by the way even though carissa Moore lost she was ripping through the event with like power carving 360s through the lip blowtails into 360s in comboed up with big power gap carves why aren't the women and the men commingled you know why why because it's apples and oranges how you it's want surfing. me to say, because the men are ripping harder and surfing better. <laughs> Thank you very much. was that that hard. No, but why aren't they I mean, like they have differences in uh, body structure and strength distribution and all of it. So it's a different thing entirely. But it's actually judged on the same exact thing. It's um, not judged it separately. Yeah, maybe there needs to be a different. I don't know, but I'm just saying the women's surf the Roxy Pro was phenomenal this year. Here's I the problem, right? And
1: maybe I'm going to get myself in some trouble here. I don't know.
0: More trouble, you mean? Yeah,
1: more trouble because I love women. Where do they send? I love keywords, women by surfing. I'm still, but competitively, right? Competitively, if we can't put them both in the same heat, why are we separating
0: them? That doesn't mean it's not worth watching, though.
1: Like, I, I, I there, agree. There's an argument I to keep. Keep the I watched sports it. separate. I'm not
0: saying that they're not excellent athletes. Yeah. I, they are. I guess what I'm arguing with you is, you're saying I want to watch the best surfing. I'm going. Well, there isn't only 30 minutes in a day, and I got a. I can only watch 30 minutes worth of surfing. Therefore, I want to see the best. I'm saying I have time for both things. I'm saying when they cut over to the Roxy Pro, I don't shut it off and be like, well, I guess uh, I should watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians now. Oh like, my God. like, no, it's like I this is more compelling to me than anything else that I would want to watch other than the men's. But now the Roxy Pro is on and it has my full attention and they're ripping. That's all I'm saying, Scott. And and I'm just saying hey, they surf better than me. I'm not you know that's they're ripping dude they yeah really are no no it's
1: look Stephs are great i love yeah. stephanie gilmore yeah. i think she's just you know she's marketable she's incredible yeah and same with carissa yeah you know
0: well uh this leads me into my duke and my kook do you can i go ahead and lead into that <laughs> yeah please do so my duke is actually lakey peterson because I love Lakey Peterson. I think she's a great surfer. In this event, she surfed at a level that we've never seen her... She always had potential. I want her to win the world title. She executed her full potential in this event, including a 10-point ride. She really, I think... Reminds me of Chloe Andino. Her style, her approach is very reminiscent of Chloe Andino, who, by the way, they have the same coach and Mike Parsons, or Chloe was forever. I don't know if he is anymore. They both come from California, right-hand point breaks, Lakey from Rincon, Chloe from lowers, if you could call that a right-hand point break. And she really delivered. Even though she didn't win the event, she looked poised to win. What else I want to comment about her being the Duke for is her comeback story got overshadowed by Owen Wright's comeback story. But she's in the same, she was in the exact same story, except that her uh, injury that sidelined her for 2016 wasn't a life threatening injury. She had an ankle injury at the beginning of last year, actually at Snapper, that put her out for the entire season. And she looked really good going into 2016. So she was sidelined for the entire year. And now we see her make her come back in her first event. I actually did put her on my fantasy team because I know what she's capable of. But it was really, really great to see her fulfill all the potential that we've had for her. And again, elevated women's surfing as a whole by the way that she surfed. And I think she brought the best out of both Carissa Moore and Stephanie Gilmore. She looks like a real, real threat. And she is my Duke of the week for making a comeback from injury.
1: All right. That's great. My Duke? Are you waiting
0: for my Duke? Is that what you want here? Did you just dig deep to come up with a Duke no, since you weren't No, I've actually been
1: trying to restructure my team. I'm not sure who to put on my team. You're for doing Mart- your
0: fantasy team right now. Yes. Are
1: you in the middle of a show? What better time? This is uh, a good time to when do the mics
0: aren't rolling and well, you can focus? It's just,
1: like all the, it's just like flowing and stewing and bubbling in my brain right now. You're killing me, Smalls. So... <laughs> so um my kook is you for not picking Kelly Slater to do better in this event, and I think he would agree with me. Good for you. However, my duke is you also for the interview that you did with Sal Masekela on Surf Splendor Podcast. And really all of the work that you've done on your podcast, it's, it's, I think I'm, I'm concerned that you're going to go somewhere with this podcast to a place that's going to leave me out in the cold here. Like so
0: I, that's my goal. I can tell. You've my you're, stepping stone. You've dude. been doing such. I'm not a stepping stone, but you're doing such no, a I good job. No, I want to use your shoulders to prop myself up, and then I can like trampoline forward.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm worried. I'm gonna have to get a new co-host because you're gonna be so busy. Somebody's gonna hire you.
0: Ooh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. You listening, WSL? <laughs> They're not gonna I'm hire. Like, you. Available for rent.
1: <laughs> they hate you just by your association with me because apparently they don't like me.
0: Yeah, I'll do it on the cheap hourly even. <laughs> Um, Who do I put on my team, Ziklau? So I'm not talking to you about that right now. That's right. for you to figure out. And by right. the way, you're my competitor. I'm not going to help you, anyways. All right. So my my kook of the week is actually Ronnie Blakey. My favorite commentator is my kook of the week. Do you want to know why? Yes. For picking on Pete Mel. Did you notice? No. Oh my gosh, dude! These two. There's. Yeah, they don't I, have to do I'm it. calling a blood feud right now, Beach Grit, I'm going to send you guys the story. There is a blood feud between Ronnie Blakey and Pete Mel throughout the entire event. There was a lot of contention. And Pete, I've always thought Ronnie Blakey's Mr. Nice Guy. Pete was playing Mr. Nice Guy and Ronnie was kind of picking on him. Ronnie was literally like, like Pete would go and like kind of go into a story. And then Ronnie would be like, "Uh, all right, well, let's get back to surfing. Like in a very condescending manner. And I got the inclination to actually go through and like steal audio snippets and put together a highlight reel or a low light reel of Ronnie shaming Pete. And then it was weird because it actually Pete, who's very professional and usually not flustered, I feel like got flustered by Ronnie and then started kind of stumbling over his words a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I noticed it. And made notes about it. And then I got a tweet from a listener who actually said as much. He's like, dude, what's going on in the booth with those guys? And I was like, oh, I thought I was the only one who noticed. So if anybody else out there wants to go through and do the work and actually record the audio and send it to me, I'll totally play it on the show. Um, But it was really, really odd for me. Mm -hmm. And, of course, previously, Ronnie was always in the booth with Ross Williams. And they actually had phenomenal chemistry and I would argue were the best guys, the best commentator team commentating team and so i don't know if ronnie's just missing his buddy ross or what the deal is but it was really really bizarre for him to i think being again like i said poking pete in the eye almost oh that's interesting you didn't notice no here's one problem that i had with pete he kept calling he kept confusing convex and concave Mm -hmm. he's referring to waves in in courtney's round one heat he kept saying like he was talking about hitting the wave in the critical section. He goes, You know, where it's convexed, that's where you want to go up into the lip. And I'm thinking to myself, No, that's a concave in the wave, not a convex in the wave.
1: Okay. I'm not going to argue one way or the other. What
0: up, Pete? <laughs> oh Figure out your vex <laughs> You've in your called cave. called
1: out Slater and Peter Mel in this episode. Just all saying. I've done is called out a few girls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. And by the way, we do get shamed for our grammar all the time. Absolutely. So I'm not immune. I'm but, the worst. Come on, Pete. Um, my must see moment for the first time ever is a photograph. It's not even a video part. Wow. You know what photograph it is? Corey Wilson's photo of Owen Wright and his girlfriend Kita with their baby in the middle. Yes. This thing's been making it its rounds on Instagram. Yes. This is the greatest photo in surfing that I've seen in a long time. It's a good photo. It's a great photo. So
1: much emotion. Yeah. It sort of carries the moment. Kita's
0: crying. Owen's embracing her their newborn baby is nestled in between them but it's phenomenal you know like it it conveys so much emotion all of the emotion um, of Owen Wright's injury and the story that I gave from the last year all that stuff is conveyed in this one image and um,
1: I would be psyched if Owen Wright won the world title this year except for I want Kelly Slater to win it yeah if it wasn't for Kelly Slater I'd be I'd be all in on Owen Wright
0: yeah Which goes
1: against my North American instincts.
0: Yeah. But
1: he's such a good story. There's no reason to not want only but the best for this man.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's a phenomenal And
1: frankly, I would have felt that way before his injury. Like that year that he was having... The year he injured yeah. himself was insane. Yeah,
0: 410s at cloud break. He was insane. He had, um, he was in world title contention going into that. And like I said, going into the pipe event, got the three best waves on that day.
1: So. If he hadn't injured himself, he would be on that list of guys, the greatest surfers on tour to not win a world title. Yeah. It would have been Owen, Julian, Jordy, mm-hmm. and Kolohe.
0: Yep, totally agree. Um,
1: Those three got to be feeling a little weird right now. Jordy, Julian, and Kolohe. Yeah. Maybe not Kalohe so much, but.
0: No, Kalohe's on a rise still. Those other guys are teetering from, like, is this the pinnacle? I
1: think Jordy gets frustrated quickly. Yeah. If he bombs at Bell's, he's like, yours over, screw it. Yeah. And then he'll come out and kill it, yeah. have some power move at Bell's.
0: Well, okay, I'm going to close on a very light note. Um, I got a li- uh, comment from a listener at some point a long time ago that Scott Bass's voice sounds exactly like Nicolas Cage's voice. And I forgot about that. And then he sent a, He posted a comment on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And he goes, hey, dude, the content lately has been killer. I love the work you're doing with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> so you know, I want to hear you yeah. into the microphone right. say, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence.
1: I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence.
0: Okay. Now here's Nicolas Cage saying it. We're more like treasure protectors. Shoot. That was the wrong clip. Wait. I steal Declaration
1: of Independence. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence.
0: Perfect. Now give me, we're more like treasure protectors.
1: We're more like… Pre- <laughs> we're, more <laughs> we're, like what
0: tre- we're more like treasure protectors.
1: We're more like treasure protectors.
0: We're more like treasure protectors.
1: We're more like treasure protectors. i,
0: I think I'm going I think our Declaration L- of Independence. I think our listener is dead on. Nicholas. So that was, of course, from the classic American film... National Treasure from 2004. Nicolas I need Cage's union wages. Find Finest, finest performer. You're
1: killing me, Scales.
0: Dude, you nailed it. I think our listeners right. You are very You don't look Nick Cage, but your voice is well, a a is a velvety crushed velvet Nicholas
1: much Cage. much more handsome than Nick Cage.
0: Well, obviously I've, fuller head of hair. We know that much.
1: Well, and a lot more. Uh, I've been told that there's this show called um, Treehouse Oh, no. What is it? Treehouse <laughs> something or other? My dad watches that. Many of my friends go, this guy's just like you. All your mannerisms, all your little moves. My daughter even goes, that guy reminds me of Scott Bass. Yeah. So anyway, the, what, that not, dude, what is that show called? Treehouse something or other? Yeah, like, it's Treehouse got, Builders or Treehouse Masters. They or build something. treehouses. Yeah, it's a cool show. The houses they build are insane. Um. Anyway, that guy, some people say that guy.
0: Well, dude, that's not a compliment, I'm afraid to say. That guy... <laughs> that guy I don't think it is either that guy is a dweeb oh well but there you go (laughs) uh, but he's also like I feel like he's missing a chromosome no offense to you Scott but like that guy is he off a little bit
1: I don't watch it that much but apparently his mannerisms my friend said it's not so much
0: what he looks like but his mannerisms and the way he like I don't know. He's goofy is my problem with him, which is, which is actually where I feel like it's not like you. You're not as goofy as that dude is. Uh, but that, that's kind of funny. Treehouse Masters is the name of the show. Anyways, that's really funny, Scott.
1: We've got a bunch of emails. No, that, I, do, I do too. We need to get in. I don't think we have time mine today. Mine are dense though. Mine are long. Like, mine are too. Mine are like yeah. super long. They're all great. Yeah, yeah. And I want to get to them. So look, Herb, C- Cognac, send in a great email, um, boot the- Send in a great email. Filthy the Bear. <laughs> uh, Benjamin Granick, who we read his email last time about honeymooning. Yeah. Ben Spencer. Well, anyway. we're not going to do it this show.
0: No, we just can't. But can we promise to get into these emails? Cause Structure it- them in advance, dude. Like, get... get- make a small outline out of them like rather than reading the whole thing and then excuse we'll me them.
1: um i've been doing this for 10
0: years you don't need oh, to have you where's your
1: duke and Cook then good sir where's your I invented duke and Cook and musty moment you
0: invented it and then you don't bring it well right, look right, you good. texted me yesterday and said let's do a show because we're scheduled to record this week and it's the end of the quicksilver pro we're supposed to be here dude by the way
1: the hmm. California Gold Surf Auction is going to be taking place in conjunction with the Boardroom International Surfboard Show, May 6th and 7th, okay. and the California Gold Surf Auction, you can see the boards that are going to be on auction, unique and collectible vintage surfboards, and we've got some really cool stuff, boards uh, personal boards of Martin Potter, Luke Egan, Pat O'Connell, Dane Reynolds um boards shaped by jackie dunn charlie galento greg Knowles. we got a bunch of cool boards coming in the pipeline here for the auction which takes place in about six weeks so check out california gold surf auction.com to see uh the boards and the um the preview of all the boards and the app is going to be available here next week
0: sweet i'm yeah. in yeah, man. All right, Scott, great show. If anybody wants to get a hold of us, my David's email, hello at com, And of course, surfsplenderpodcast.com is the website. Leave a comment for Scott and I. And, or you can uh, check out boardroomshow.com and see all of the
1: shows under the Down the Line Surfing Podcast. How do they link. find
0: you on uh, social?
1: Um, Instagram? Yeah. I'm boardroom
0: at boardroom show
1: at boardroom show. Kelly Twi-
0: Slater comments on your Instagram That's right. apparently. at boardroom show. By the way, does he follow you? Yes.
1: Oh, okay. And then uh, I didn't know
0: if you just tagged him and then he like chimed in or if he actually, is I think following. I did tag him though. Yeah, you did, but I didn't know if he also followed you.
1: And then I'm at boardroom surf on Twitter, Twitter, boardroom surf, Instagram at boardroom show. And of course you can go to boardroomshow.com to get, all the insight on what's happening here in May and Del Mar at the international surfboard show. And it is international. We got people from all over the world coming. Yeah. It's going to be great. And then, Oh, and we're honoring Al Merrick.
0: Oh, okay. Do you want to give the quick rundown on
1: the boardroom show? Well, it's, it's a trade show for the surfboard manufacturing industry. The entire surfboard manufacturing industry is there in attendance. So just a whole, you know, massive, ninety thousand square foot building filled with the world's greatest surfboards and shapers and designers. And of course we each year we honor a shaper and we're honoring Almeric this year. And we've got ten international shapers coming. One of them, Johnny Cabianca, shapes Gabriel Medina's boards. The other one, John Pizel, shapes John John Florence's boards. And we're honoring Al Merrick, who shaped boards for something like 28 world titles or something ridiculous like that.
0: Well, I would argue... Including 11 of Kelly Slater's. Doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that's the cream of the crop right now. And
1: Surfer Magazine's putting on this insane seminar discussion thing, and we've got a lot of other cool stuff, including the auction. Surfing Magazine? Surfer, excuse me. Surfer Magazine. Yeah, buddy.
0: All right. I'm psyched, Scott. Great to see you
1: again. Until next time, adios and aloha.
0: Baby, I had a windy In tribute to a very funky
1: tragedy i plucked the to be the It wasn't so sweet
0: I I. Thanks again for listening. I want to produce more content, and more listeners slash a larger audience means that we'll be able to attract more attention and more guests, bigger guests. If we had the same influence as the magazines and some of the bigger websites, Kelly would come on here to discuss the launch of his new product instead of taking it there. So I'm working to produce quality content to grow the show, but you can help grow the show in two ways one, share it with friends. And number two, just drop some change into the donation bucket. You can do that on surfsplendorpodcast.com forward slash donate. And then, of course, you could share this show on social media at Surf Splendor. Tag a friend in a post. Send them a DM telling them to listen to this episode. Whatever. Uh, whatever the best way for you to do it is, is cool with me. And then go ahead and rate and review the show in whatever podcasting app you listen to. One review on iTunes by dive kailua gave us five stars and said great show guys knowledgeable insightful and even sometimes humorous end quote what the hell dive kailua sometimes humorous we're always humorous dude i spend hours in the mirror crafting my act buddy it doesn't come easily all right man this is hard hard work anyway thank you for the review that was on itunes rate and review it there And as always, until next week, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor, reminding you, get in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and shred on.
1: Wishing on a memory. Home.